This episode of the Empowered Parent Podcast is brought to you by the Replanted Conference. Replanted provides a time away for caregivers to be refreshed, equipped, and inspired. To register, visit replantedconference.org. You're listening to the Empowered Parent Podcast with Ryan and Kayla North, hosted by Chris Turner, a One Big Happy Home production. This podcast equips parents to empower their children and build healthy relationships throughout the home in order to see lasting change and thrive as a family. It's for families of all kinds, especially those who are parenting kids through adoption, foster care, kinship care, or in the process. The Empowered Parent Podcast is a developmentally informed, trauma-sensitive, connected parenting resource. To learn more, visit OneBigHappyHome.com. So picking up where we left off about kind of the natural consequences involved with school, breaking school rules. Yeah, because I think, you know, we were talking about the fact that we think it's what we're supposed to do to partner with the school. Yeah, I wanted to get, right? I wanted to get back to that. Well, because okay. we think we have to partner with the school, which I totally agree. As a former classroom teacher, I need the parents to partner with me when there are big things happening at school. But that doesn't mean that the parents go, I side with the teacher and the school and we're, it's us against the kid, right? I mean, if you've ever listened to any episode of our podcast, you, you know, our listeners know that that's not what we think. Like, yeah. that's not where we're coming from. We are our kid's biggest advocate, meaning we're coming alongside them and it's us against whatever problems in front of them. It's not us against the teacher. It's not us against the school. It's us against this behavior and what's causing it, like getting to the bottom of it. And that's always what we're looking at. When they're at home, we're looking at the why behind behaviors. Yep. So when they're at school, we're doing the same thing. It might be a little trickier though, because <laughs> I'm not there. Right. So I'm going to have to do a little more investigating. And the teacher has 20 other kids that and the they teacher, have to pay attention exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, we get enough questions. Like, I have six kids at home. How on, how on <laughs> earth do I get to the bottom of the behavior when I've got six kids? And they've got 20 or 30 kids in their yeah. classroom. So it is tricky. And it, it, it can be a lot trickier to get to the why behind it. But we know our kids best. So we can go, okay, well, here's some ideas I think might happen, you know, might be causing this. Yeah. We can ask some questions of the teacher and of the principal, like, how are you addressing this? Like, mm -hmm. what does this look like? Because it might be in the execution of getting them to stop doing one behavior or move on to another activity or whatever it is, that there's something very small that could be tweaked that could help change the trajectory of how things go. All right. So, so there's a lot there, and I hope I can remember all the things <laughs> I, want, I wanted to talk about. Uh, number one, this idea that we act the way we think that that we think we're supposed to. Yeah, I think th I think that that was good because I think your two your two points were the the grocery store or supermarket reaction that Chris is talking about because you want other people to think you're a good parent, and so you get embarrassed, mm -hmm. right? And so you know, Kayla and I were talking about this the other day, um, earlier this week over over coffee, maybe even been yesterday, um, about how if you if you googled the word humble. Or you search for humble humility, uh, or any kind of for just a word search in the Bible or a topical search on humility. Turns out there's a lot of verses that it returns, mm -hmm. and 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 so you know as you know, Kayla talked about being seasoned in the previous episode. But I think that that sort of the seasoning of me is that is that I is that as I get older, and hopefully it's a function of getting wiser. Mm. 
is that is that I don't look at things. I'm trying hard. I don't get it right all the time, but I'm trying to not look at things in terms of good or bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but instead, was that beneficial or not? Mm. Did that help or not? You know, you know what I mean. Um, because good and bad are, are oftentimes just judgment calls by us. Yeah. No, again, if there's an objective standard, like you know, if you hit the teacher, you, you know, you you strike the teacher in any way, you you're suspended for two days. That's objective. But so much of the behavior is in the realm of well, that was bad behavior. That was a good behavior. You know. Yeah, it's very it's, subjective. It's very subjective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the question I th- that 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 I that, that I hope that that the parents are listening to us would ask for was this beneficial or not? Yeah. Does this help build the relationship or hurt the relationship? And if you will frame your actions in those terms, then what you're going to find is the double whammy is not beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. But but that's the thing that that you know the mindset thing. You have to change the way people think. You have to change the way people view the world because most of us, and, and again, you, you all know that I, that I want to do like nine episodes about how your brain processes information, and one day you all are going to agree. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. We've done a lot of brain episodes. I like talking about it because understanding how we communicate is like beyond, like it's foundational. Like if, like we can skip a lot of other things, but if we don't understand how we process information, then we're not doing anybody a favor, including ourselves and our kids. And so because, you know, you likely had your parents who, who punished you, whether that was, you know, um, you know I, I'm sure one of my parents, at least in, in the form of yelling at me or my mother hitting me with a wooden spoon or whatever child, as a child, uttered this phrase, you're not going to embarrass me, embarrass me again. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, we'd likely a lot of us heard that growing up. And so that's, again, we think that's what we're supposed to do based not on what we think that and it's complicated because it's based on what, what you think the school wants you to do, mm-hmm. what the other parents think you should do, right? what your parents um, programmed into you, and that's just based on your childhood experiences. I mean, like that, yeah, yeah. they, they <laughs> clockwork orange to you or anything. I just mean the, the, the results of your childhood experiences. Yeah. Um, and so it's complicated. Yeah. And I think the first step in all this is, is recognizing that that – that God is, 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 makes it very clear that he is on the side of the humble. Yeah. And, and to say, to like look and say, well, why do I react the way I do? And how can I be different about it? Because it's not beneficial to come down. Look, the kids had a sucky day. Yeah. Like it's not fun. Like even if you're a poorly behaved kid, and I, my friends and I got a fair amount of trouble in, in high school and middle school. Um, but even in, in elementary that. Elementary school. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's nothing quite as heartwarming as support. <laughs> <laughs> the people who know you best. Oh, uh. anyhow. So, but what I'm saying though is that is that is that it's fun mm. until you get caught. Yeah. Nobody likes getting busted, right? <laughs> I mean, and then you get home, and then and you know. But my house is complicated because my dad was always on my side, and your mother never was. My mother's always on the school side, uh. mm. and so they had to go. They had a parent-teacher conference, and they came back, and she was. A Fuming, <laughs> and he was like, "I just leave him alone." <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, no, I, I just think that it's it's so complicated, and it's so, um, and you get a mixed bag when it comes to school as far as how they respond, because mm-hmm. especially with our kids, because if they know that our kids have been in foster care, um, were adopted, have experienced any kind of trauma, any of those kinds of things, they, um 
sometimes we'll have an approach of, oh, they've had a hard life. Mm-hmm. And they let them get away with more than they would other students. Mm-hmm. Other times they have labeled our kids because of their past experiences as a defiant kid or as a bad kid, and Mm. they get in trouble for everything. And then other times you're in the middle somewhere where the, you know, the teacher recognizes them, you know, sees them for who they are and wants to help them, you know. So I think you get a mixed bag. So you never know, you know, from year to year, and especially as they get older and they have multiple teachers, you don't know from class to class what's going to happen. And so, you know, whenever I'm looking at, you know, whenever I have like coaching clients who will say to me, you know, okay, my kid is getting in trouble at school and I'm not really sure what to do. Like they keep calling me to come pick the kid up from school um, because they can't handle their behavior. And I'm like, well, what are they doing at school? Nothing. They just send them to the principal's office, give them some candy and call me and tell me to come pick them up because they really don't know what to do with them. And so I say, well, in that case, then I say, no, no, I will help you figure out what to do. But my job, Mm -hmm. like your job as the school is to educate my child. If you're struggling to educate my child, then let me help you have some tools for, you know, regulating behavior at school. And I'm going to give them some of my best pointers. Like, what are some things, like, if my kid does really well, if they have a snack, then I'm going to say, hey, when you notice behavior start to spiral... They, here's a stash of snacks you can keep up there and mm-hmm. give my kids a snack, you know, send them to the counselor's office or to the, the nurse, know, the nurse and, and they'll give them, there, yeah, yeah, she's got some juice for them or whatever, whatever it is that helps my kid calm. If I know it, I'm going to share my secrets. Yeah. Like, so like uh, in our uh, IEP, IEP? Yeah, IEP. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, for our youngest in elementary school, because he's in middle school now, um, it was in there that if he needed to, he could go down to see the counselor who had one of those little mini uh, trampolines, and he yes. could just bounce on the little mini trampoline yes. for a few minutes. And it's like just little things like that. If the school knows and is willing to accommodate those things, it can help alleviate so many behaviors. Yeah. But sometimes we just go, "Well, they know better. Mm. They they do they've done fine." And then just today, they just decided to do it. Mm. Either we say that, or the school says that. Mm. Somebody yeah. somebody decides that this is willful, defiant disobedience based on whatever you know, just being tired of it or whatever. And and so when we have that approach to it, when we have that um, that mindset about our kids, right? Where we have, um, we I think we talked about this in a in a previous in a recent episode. We talked about like this bias that we have, like if our kids are doing a certain thing, or the teacher might have, if they keep doing a certain thing, they decide that it's willful, that it's defiant, that it's mm-hmm. disrespectful, that it's they have to stop this behavior, blah blah blah, and nobody ever gets to the bottom of it. Like, oh, every day at math we have this behavior, like huh, I wonder if this kid's struggling with math. I wonder if math is really hard, you know, because that is, you know, the time of day that this happens. Or maybe this, maybe math is right before lunch and mm-hmm. their blood sugar is, you know, can't quite make it that far and we need a snack before we start math. And then we can, maybe it's not, not about the math, you know. We have to start looking at what is it Instead of just trying to, like, when, the, like, I am not a fan of when the kids get in trouble at school, you come home and add a punishment onto it. Because yeah. that is just saying, that that's kind of give up. Mm. That's, well, okay, well, we're going to double down on it. It's, we need to have a system of getting to the bottom of the behavior so that it doesn't keep happening. Yeah. So, um, 
I think we need to be honest about school, though, right? Education's important. Like, we value education. We've both worked in education, so I don't want anybody here be saying, like, education, there's anything wrong with that. Education is important. But what we also have to recognize in that same minute is that for kids, particularly kids who are in the foster care system, school is a very, very difficult proposition. Mm-hmm. Right, it's a very difficult proposition because if a, if a child's had multiple placements, that typically means multiple schools, so they're the new kid in school multiple times. Yeah. They might be behind in some of the work because of the moves. Um, you know, your belief system because of your of your experiences is now um, I'm not smart, yeah. and so then you start struggling in school, and then all of a sudden you're getting bad grades, and then you get into trouble, and then it just reaffirms everything that you already believe negatively about yourself. And, and we don't factor that in. All we go is, Johnny's behaving badly. I need him out of my class. And I'm not even mad at the teachers for that. Because people might say, well, that's surprising to hear that you're not upset that they were kicking. Look, the, 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 that, that's a big task. Yeah. Right? Being, in, being in charge of, because you are. You, you, you're the captain of that airplane. You're only responsible for those children 100% while that, when that door's shut, right? And, and, and you can't. And I know they go like, you oh, know, if there's a disruption, we got to we got to remove the disruption immediately because the disruption will then cause five other kids to be right. disruptive, and then the day's gone, and I'm evaluated by, on a whole bunch of things that that cannot be derailed by the day being sacrificed by disruptions. And so it's a difficult proposition for everybody. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And so I just I don't know if there's a point there other than just to recognize that for the school, the administrators, the teachers, the kids. The parents, because we're like, oh my gosh, now I have to, I have to prove to the school that I'm in charge at home, and mm-hmm. it's, it's just, a, it's very difficult. And and I think that, um, I feel like we could have twenty conversations on this, mm-hmm. and, and wheel some some other teachers in here, and <laughs> not not wheel. I didn't mean it like that, but um, but bring some other teachers into the conversation. Um, but on the flip side of that, it's a really closed system too, mm-hmm. because you know we've tried. To get small school districts, big school districts, yep. big regions, school districts out of state. I mean, and and like, well, what can you do? What can you do in one hour? Well, nothing. Yeah, nothing yeah. transformative in one hour. And I get it. In service days are high value real estate for the school, and and all those kinds of things. And so, and so, I just want to recognize that the problem is a complicated one for everybody, um, and and we just have to keep pushing at it. Because the only real, the only, in my mind, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, and they will because they delight in telling me that I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, that that the the easiest way to make an inroad into that complicated issue is if the parents change their responses. Mm. Yeah. Right, I mean... That's all we have control over. We don't have control over well, the system. Yeah, think we about it, right? I mean, the, 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 the school district's an aircraft carrier, you know? The, the, the parents are a kayak. Like, yeah. the, the, the way to stop it, to turn it, to maneuver it, it's all easier for us, yeah. which is why we have to pivot in our behavior because what happens is we sometimes get really mad at the school. And we're like, well, yeah. I'm not doing it. Like, like, yeah. and, and, and it's not combative. And we've talked about it being a, a partnership like everywhere. And and if we had more time, I'd I'd, I'd throw the next one out there because you know what other school kids get labeled at Sunday school. Yeah. Right. We've done a lot of work with churches over the years, and I'm so grateful that so many churches are open to us saying, "Look, this is the place where we have to learn how to have right relationships, yeah. and we need to teach that to children right away." 
Um, but yeah, I mean, all of it's just so complicated. I will say this, um, just kind of as an aside, to any school board members who might be listeners of our podcast, you absolutely positively must get two recesses in a day back in elementary schools. No, I'm, I'm quite serious. Yeah. I, I really think that a lot of behavioral issues you see at that age level is the Just lack run it of, off, yeah. Right. You cannot expect seven-year-old boys to sit in a chair for eight hours or six hours or however long the elementary school yeah. day is. You just cannot. Yeah. You um, can't expect 47-year-old boys to do right. either. I mean, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Right. Like, like, I, I can't I, at, my, at my job, I get to get up and you know go to the bathroom whenever I want or go down to the water cooler. or you know, get, and we, we, we have a, a snack box at our yeah. A little coffee station, you know, where I work. So, you know, I have all those options. Why do I, why do our children not, you know, get those options? So, I really think the, the lack of I have time physical to answer activity your question, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> right. it really plays a role in some of these, these behaviors that we, that we see a lot of times, especially those, at those younger ages. So, you know, parenting is infinitely complicated. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm glad we get to talk about it, but I wish that I wish, and my wife will not agree with this, <laughs> but there's sometimes I wish like, I just want to go like unfiltered, like Ryan unfiltered. <laughs> I definitely uh, will on, not on, agree with that. You're it, right? correct. Because Maybe we need to add another tier to the, to the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ryan unfiltered. <laughs> we could really, you really want to know what Ryan and Chris think about things. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> no, but here, here's, here's my point about that. The, the parenting is infinitely complicated and, and we have to be able to, if we want to be better parents, and all of us say we want to be better parents, we have to be able to take a very, very honest look at why we do things the way we do. Mm. And we rarely can do that by ourselves, which is to Kayla's point earlier, right? You're the hero in your own story when you retell it, mm. right? But here's the thing. And for us, we're all married and, and none of us, when our spouse addresses an issue with us, is betting a thousand in good responses. <laughs> that's just the truth. Yes, that's, I, can, I can honestly say that is true. But what we need to do is we need to get there. Because the person that's made a life with you can see you clearly. Mm. Right? Kayla sees me clearly. I see her clearly. But I think we both accept that. But if we disagree about something, we will. That's the first. That's the first level of agreement that's out the window. <laughs> but we're back to the lack of humility at that point. Yeah. And and so part of part of the reason why kids don't can't just get up and go to the bathroom when they want to uh, is because you weren't allowed to do that when you were a kid. So why do they get to? Yeah. Right. And there's this whole that which was done to me has to be done to you mentality that we filter everything through. Like I don't understand that at all. I don't understand that at all. And people say, well, I mean, I didn't have snacks when I was in school. I couldn't get up and have a snack basket in my classroom, and I turned out okay. <laughs> words, <laughs> words that are like kryptonite to my soul. But I tell people did this. You, did you really turn out okay? <laughs> I tell people like this. The world I was raised to live in no longer exists. Mm -hmm. It's physically still here, yeah. but it's functionally not the same thing. Yeah, that was something that uh, kind of came to my mind when you talked a minute ago about... Uh, how we'd love to get you know teachers on here. I, I would love. I'm I'm certain there's a teacher like this out there that loves the profession so much that she may have been teaching when I was in school and may have just recently retired, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I mean, I have to do the math. You're kind of old. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. 
the green room is really going to be interesting now. <laughs> she was a young uh, teacher when he was a senior in high school. The, the green room is just going to be all the all the pre-recording stuff that we have. <laughs> it's going to be outtakes. So, um, but now I, w- I would love to to get someone if, someone's perspective who had been in the teacher profession like that amount Multiple of time. Multiple generations to see yeah. what changes they noticed in the same age groups, right? Like if they had stuck with the same age group. It's like it's like the um it's like the guy who said, you know, uh, I forget it was Tom Brokaw maybe. No, I don't remember. It was some it was some TV guy and when his grandmother died um like 20 years ago whatever. It wasn't Tom Brokaw, it was somebody else. But he said um his grandmother was a fascinating woman to talk to talk to. He said because when she was a kid, she traveled on an ox wagon. Mm. Before she died, she flew on a 747. Yeah. And just to talk to her, just about how transportation changed over her life. Mm-hmm. He said it was endlessly fascinating. So that, that's what made, made me think of that when you said that, because that would be a fascinating discussion yeah. right. with, with somebody. Well, I mean, even, you know, I haven't, I haven't taught in about 10 years now. So it's, mm. it's been about 10 years since I was in a classroom teaching little kids, I should say. I've taught a lot in the last 10 years. But um, since I've been in a classroom, but I remember as, you know, when in my last couple of years of teaching, kids were starting to get cell phones. Now I taught third grade, eight-year-olds. And I remember thinking, what on earth are people doing giving their eight-year-old cell phones? Mm -hmm. You know, and I still, you know, struggle with that because, you know, there are kids younger and younger and younger getting cell phones. But I remember just from from when I first started teaching, that wasn't even a thought in anybody. You know, I mean, I taught for a decade, and it wasn't even a thought at the beginning of my teaching career, that a kid in my class would have a cell phone. And cell phones were, st- were pretty prevalent then. They were still prevalent, yeah. I, think, I mean, it I was... I think one of the biggest differences is what type of cell phones are. Well, I was going to say, I was, I was about to have that make that yes. exact point, because those kids, they could make telephone calls, and then if they wanted to... Uh, text the letter Good out. old T9. They, they, had, they, they, they had to press number five three times, right? Yes. Well, and when I stopped teaching, that was still, you know, it, I, there were iPhones, but there were kids getting like little flip phones so that they could call mom and dad at yeah. the end of the school mm-hmm. day or whatever. But I would have them ring in my classroom, and I was like, no, uh-uh. no, we're not having cell phones in the classroom. right? She's there like, any, you're not a trauma surgeon. You don't need to be reaching there, all 24 there hours. There weren't yeah. even any like rules about that, you know? Yeah. And I'm thinking now, like... There are smart watches. They have to have mm-hmm. rules about smart watches and all this stuff. I and mean, we could get on a whole other tangent about technology and stuff like that. But I just think from that perspective, how much has changed yep. and what you have to deal with in the classroom. And so, you know, there's a whole other set of behaviors that are happening that they're having to deal with in the classroom. That you never had to deal with. And I and never had well, to deal with. teachers uh, never had to deal with. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a different world now. And it's we, keep, pretend, we keep pretending like it's the same it's thing. Not. Yeah, right? People, for sure. Because what's the thing that doesn't change yet does change in the world? You. Yeah. Right? Like, you still have all your memories of that Whoa, time. that's deep, Turner. Thank you. That's why I get paid the big bucks. <laughs> right? So that, that, that's, no, but that's, that's why we have that mindset, right? Yeah. Because we still remember the good old days, yeah. so to speak, right? Oh I know. They're not necessarily always the good old days. I no, know. no, I wasn't going to say that. I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say... Um, and, and, and again, Kayla's so sick of hearing this, but I just watched The Last Dance, the documentary on the Chicago Bulls. Mm. Have you watched this? No. Oh, my gosh. No, just a warning. That Michael Jordan cusses a lot um, in, in it, but, <laughs> but just a fascinating dude. 
Mm. And in the I haven't seen it, but I feel like I've seen. Oh it. my gosh, this 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 documentary is like mindset good. Mm. And so this guy is either the most the the most the mentally toughest human being ever, or a complete psychopath. Mm. Likely a combination. <laughs> um, if Michael Jordan hears this, apologies, your airness. <laughs> um, but but in the last episode. Um, there's a guy, and it was so good, and, and, and I'm likely going to butcher it, but, but I am going to watch it and watch and write it down and memorize it because I want to use this when we, when we talk to audiences. The guy says, um, he wrote a book about Jordan, and he said, look, Michael Jordan's real talent was not his ability to play basketball. It's not his athletic ability. It's not that he can jump, that he can shoot, that he can run. It's none of those things. Michael Jordan's real talent, and dude, I've got like hair standing up my arm just thinking about this. Michael Jordan's real talent was being able to be completely present in the moment. Mm. Unlike the rest of us who are frozen by our fear of bringing the past into the future, he doesn't think like that. Mm. And I thought, oh my gosh. Like if parents could hear that and just comprehend and just and just sit and like and like sit with that for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His greatest asset is the fact that he's able to be present in the moment, every moment. He has does not have the fear. He's not crippled by his fear of bringing the past into the future. Mm. And they and this is and they asked him about that and they said because they were just like shooting like at the end of practice, like you know playing horse. So you got yep. all these NBA guys like shooting from half court and you know, banking, right. you know, like that banking it off the off the scoreboard and off the second rafter right. and all that nonsense. And they asked him like, "Are you afraid you're going to miss?" And he goes, "Why would I be afraid of missing a shot I haven't taken yet?" Mm. And I thought, "Oh my gosh, if I could it didn't be, even occur to him to be afraid like it didn't of even him. occur to him that he was going to, and that's why he was so good because it didn't occur to him that he could miss. Mm. Like he never ever was troubled by that thought that he could miss, even though he missed. Yeah. He missed more than he made. Yeah. I checked his stats. He missed more than right. he made, right? So is every athlete, right? Like Wayne Gretzky missed more shots than he than Yeah, he I mean, I'd love goals, to watch a documentary right? on Gretzky for the same for the same reason. And I thought to myself, and I'm not trying to get this into sports or whatever, but I thought to myself, if parents could view the world like that. Yeah. Mm. And especially the parents who are parenting our population of kids, because yep. because we're going, oh, you come from this type, your family has this type of mental illness, so we have to we have to future proof you. We talk to the mm-hmm. parents about this a yeah. lot, right? Like, and so we come down so hard, and I think that's part of the school thing is when they're getting into trouble at school. It's not that this is just a little a kid getting into trouble at school. It's like if I don't nip this in the bud, it's all the baggage that the they kids come going, into the our kid, house with. The kids yeah. going, I don't want to visit my son in jail, so I have mm. to nip this in the bud. But that's not real. Yeah. Yeah. That's not real. So, anyhow, uh, hopefully that's a, a mic drop moment. Mike, see Michael. Mike. Oh, that's so, oh, good. so clever. I was going to say, um, if you want to hear the story of Chris riding an elevator with Michael Jordan, uh, stick around for the Green Room episode. I will stick around for it then. <laughs> oh yeah, that's... Uh, you can hear that. And oh yeah, there's some incentive that. to become a patron of the podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome! Yeah, end it. I want to hear that story. <laughs> Well, as always, everyone, I think the well, I think the end result of this conversation over the these last two episodes is uh, don't do the double whammy. That yeah. uh, there, there are better ways, more beneficial ways, as Ryan so eloquently put it, uh, work with your kid. So, as always, thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Empowered Parent Podcast. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to discuss in the podcast, you can email us at podcast.onebighappyhome.com. 
Please like and share the podcast with your friends and family, and you can find us on your favorite social platforms by searching for One Big Happy Home. For our supporters, we have a special episode after the episode called The Green Room right after this, so keep on listening. If you'd like to become a supporter, you can visit podcast.onebighappyhome.com. Thanks for listening.